0: I want to read the word of the Lord to you this morning. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and his children and his brothers and his sisters, and yes, even in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all will see it and begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first to, to deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, the other, when the other is way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So that, therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Well, good morning, church family. I'm glad that you're all with us today. I'm, I'm glad for those that are, are watching us today online. And if you're a guest today, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you guys to the Crosswinds family today. Um, we love to add people to the family of God here at Crosswinds, wherever they are at home, to, to grow deeper. And that's what Jesus told us to do, to, to make disciples. That's our, our primary mission. But in today's text, we just read three, Jesus gave us three reasons why people cannot be disciples. This doesn't seem like Jesus. Our, our, our message today, the title is, Love Has a Cost." You know, the reason some can't be a disciple is not because they are unworthy. It's because they are unwilling to pay the cost of love. You know, Jesus offers us freely the gift of forgiveness of sin. And he offers us freely eternal life. But in our text today, Jesus is making it very clear that there's a cost to being his disciple. So Jesus' grace is free. But friends, it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. And this week I was thinking of all the times I've seen somebody walk down an aisle to, to make a, a, a commitment to Christ on a Sunday morning. Or I've seen them come and be baptized. They've even seen them take a membership class and join the church. And right after they did those things, that was the last time I saw them. Did they make a commitment to love Jesus and not keep it? Friends, if they did, that, that's not saving faith. My hope for them is that someday later, they, 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 they took the time and finally made the commitment to, to work out their salvation, become a disciple with um, fear and, and, and trembling before the Lord. Friends, it is by grace that we are saved through our faith, the scripture says, but our faith is about a commitment to love and to trust God. You know, the day I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior, afterwards I, I got in my car after I'd been visiting with a friend and he, he prayed with me to receive Christ. And I started sobbing uncontrollably. You know why? Because I, I, I realized that I just died, that my life as it was before was now over, and now I was something new. I knew things in my life were going to change, that the status quo was no longer an option for me anymore. You know, baptism, for the believer, is a symbol of, of dying to your old life and being raised again into new life. You know, being dunked in water does not wash away our sins, no matter how many times we dunk you. Our faith is what washes away our sin. Baptism is, is, is simply a witness to the world, a symbol that we are offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. You don't just make a commitment to Jesus Christ to get what you want, a a get-out-of-hell-free card. That's that's not what it's, it's about. And then just walk away and live in your old life. Jesus came to make you new. He invited you into a a new life with him, one that goes on forever and ever and starts right now, today. You know, many talk about the unconditional love of God. And it is unconditional as far as we don't have to clean ourselves up in any way to come to him. We just come just as we are. He freely invites all to come to receive his grace and his mercy. But to have his eternal love, there is a condition That we love his son and that we believe in what Jesus has done to show us love in his gospel. God's love for us was not without a cost. So it's not without a condition. It's not without a cost. His sacrifice proved his love for us. Our love for him requires us to sacrifice a bit. To prove our love for his son. Jesus invites us to follow him. And baptism shows us making a commitment to a new life by dying to the old. That's what it means, is being buried with him and being raised again. And, and Jesus, you know, he, he invites us to that. And our, our first step is being baptized. It's, it's it, in following him. Uh, but it's not the only step. Each day then we, we die again to the old life and live in the new. Friends, again, grace is free. You don't have to clean up to come to God. After you receive it, God wants, or Jesus wants your cooperation. He wants your cooperation in being cleaned up by him. And if you reject to cooperate with him, you've rejected him. How can you be saved by him if you reject constantly the condition of his grace, his son, and putting your faith and trust in his love for you? For God to be in a relationship with you, it requires a sacrifice. And a daily sacrifice. Love has a cost. Beloved, we as disciple, as we disciple people, as we disciple others, we must tell them that love has a cost. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what he's doing here. You know, he tells them that you know, when he calls somebody, you must become something different. You must become a fisher of men. You must learn to love what he loves other people. And our passage today is very difficult for many people to understand. When I first became a believer, my my father told me that he hated the passage I just read. And he challenged me for believing in Jesus Christ because of this passage. Over the years, I've seen many others struggle with this passion. It it seems to go against what we think of as good. It it seems to go against the idea that God is loving. So today, open your Bible, and let's let's dive into it and and go to Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33, and and, and let's learn from Jesus what the cost of love is. Now, the first uh, verse, it, it says this, Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, I just want to stop there. See, Jesus loved people, and people loved him. There were great crowds who were following him. Jesus had healed them freely. He, he, He taught them freely. Even his enemies he taught freely. He invited them all to come freely and follow. He put no hurdles in front of people based on their past behaviors, To come to him. He invited both those whose society saw as the worst of sinners and those they praised as good to come to him. Many were drawn to hear of God's love for them and the promise of the gospel that they could be forgiven and given life eternally. But then Jesus gives here, with a crowd of people, why you can't be his disciples. Three reasons why you would not receive forgiveness and eternal life. Wait a minute, Jesus. I I, I thought everybody was invited freely. Yes, there is no hurdle of religion. There was not the hurdle of a perfect background. Yes, there's no hurdle of having your life cleaned up now. But there is something very essential. Jesus is looking for your love. Love is sacrificial, friends. The world would tell you it's transactional. The world's love is transactual. God's love is sacrificial. Jesus pays the cost for loving us himself by his sacrifice on the cross. He also is honest with us that that cost of loving him will require for us to sacrifice you know, there's been a trend in, in many churches today to to play down the sacrifice stuff. You know, just put that to the side so we can win more conference. Their meth- method is to minimize the price for His love. They 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 take away all talk about suffering. They take away all talk about the cross. They even take them off their buildings. They talk. They don't talk about His suffering and His blood. And they also eliminate that there's a commitment to following him that requires sacrifice. They just say, seekers, come, say yes to Jesus. Just say yes to Jesus. Because they believe that talk of suffering is too big a hurdle for you. So in an effort to grow big churches, they often hide all the sacrifice stuff. And they just talk about God's unconditional love. But Jesus did both. If you look at his preaching, he did both. He told new people. These were all new people following him about God's amazing love and mercy. And then he also told them right up front, what about the it would make to receive that love? And I want you to notice who Jesus is talking to. He's he's talking to the crowd. He's not talking to mature disciples like his, his 12. He's talking to a crowd of people. Mega church. That's who he's talking to. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, his wife and his children and his brothers and his sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wait, 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 wait. We just can't say yes to Jesus? We have to say no to other people? Yes. Yes, you do. If you want everybody to like you, it will be impossible for you to Jesus here is not commanding us to hate our families. That's not what he's doing. There are plenty of places in God's word that tell us to love our family members. Husbands are to love their wives. Children are to honor their parents. We are to love our brothers and sisters. We are commanded to show love to our enemies. And we are commanded to love ourselves and to be grateful for our lives. What Jesus, what is he talking about here? What is this hate speech we hear? What Jesus is doing is he's contrasting two things to make a critical point. Um, uh, the one, his point is, is that our love for him and our love for our family and even our own lives. That, 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 that our love for our families compared to our love for him is like Kate. You know, we are to obey him first and be committed to following him first. Asked by religious authority what God's greatest command was, and it was this. He answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. There is this. You, you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no commandment greater than these now that statement the lord the lord our god the lord is one is not an objection to the trinity it, it's not a the scripture represents god in three persons fully god father son holy spirit one here means priority number 1 god is priority number 1 our first fact- Loving him. The testament says, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, The reality for all of us is there's a great temptation to have idolatry in people. Especially those we have great affection for. We often fear the loss of their love more than we fear the loss of God's love. And, and we all contend to obey the affections of people more than God. And, and when, when Jesus called Peter to follow him to become a fisherman, Peter was leaving his wife for a while to follow. He left his business on the most successful day he ever had to follow. Peter left his reputation for being a, a good fisherman. Others, many family and friends would, would question his wisdom for following some stranger in sandals giving that all up. After all, what does he know about theology? I'm sure his wife and his father and his mother and her brothers and sisters were not happy at all about his choice. Peter chose to follow Jesus, though, not them. It it, it might have felt to them like he hated them. After all, it seemed that he was abandoning them. Um, His dad is probably thinking, we're fishermen, not theologians. Who do you think you are, Peter? You're not following in the family business. You're making me look bad. Peter's intention was not to show hate to his family, but he was committed to following Jesus, and because of that, they felt hated. You know, when I became a follower of Jesus, my dad was an atheist, and I was going against everything that he studied in his life and believed in and fought against. My family was also Catholic, and most of them were not practicing and they felt like I was rejecting all of them. Most of my friends, really all my friends, were unbelievers. And now I didn't want to tell dirty jokes and go to strip clubs and, 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 and talk about my sexual contact, conquests and, and how to make money all day. I was following Jesus. That part of me had died, and I had new interests, and he was teaching me anew. I, I, I didn't hate them, but it felt to them like I did. And they hated me for it. Maybe hate seems too strong a word, but they, they sure did not like it. Why don't you put away that Jesus stuff, Ken? The reality is they wanted me to continue obeying what was important to them. But now I had a new master, and it was not them. My father wanted me to believe rational things like him, not all that God stuff. My friends wanted me to obey all the fun things they wanted to obey. But if I choose to obey them, I was showing hate to my God. And when I chose to follow Jesus, it felt felt hateful to them. And when I even invited them to come follow Jesus too, many found that hateful. Because it communicated to them that they were sinners that needed forgiveness. And while that's true, they were not ready to face that truth. They wanted to keep sinning. They hated my sin was going away. It was making them look bad, they thought. And and it was a threat to what they loved, their sin. You know, maybe if you grew up in a a Christian home, you didn't experience this. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe people actually celebrated that you made the choice to follow Jesus. But not in my circle of relationships. They felt like I was hostile and abandoning them. None of Jesus' first century disciples were coming from a Christian home. So they were hated by their families, by their brothers and their sisters. And like me, they had to sacrifice the affection of those they loved to receive the love of Christ. They also had to learn, as I have learned, to still love those who are rejecting you because you love him most. Because human love, like I said, is often transactional, and people in your life expect you to return their love the way they want it to be. This is often for you to obey them. For example, the Bible says, honor your father father, and mother. Friends, honor is about love. It's a decision to care for them if they need it, to respect them as people made in God's image, and to be grateful for the sacrifices that they made in loving you. But it does not mean to obey them first, especially when you're an adult. But culturally, a lot of people believe that. And sometimes your parents have dementia. Do you obey somebody who's confused? Does that make sense? Sometimes our parents have mental illness. Do you obey irrational thoughts? Sometimes our parents are addicted to their own sin and are are dangerous to be around. Does God want you to obey a dangerous criminal? No. No, he loves you, and he wants you to obey him first because he wants what's best for you. Unbelieving parents so often only hear God's word to tell children to obey. And they use love to control. I've even had unbelieving parents call the church asking me children to obey them because it's right for God. And they seek to use guilt and shame to get their children to obey their will. That's control, friends. That's not love. We often confuse control and love as people. Believing wives, do we obey a husband's sin? Do we? Do we obey our husband's sin? Believing hu- wives, or believing husbands, do we obey our wife's sin? They may demand it for the sake of love. You don't love me if you don't go with me. They may even use the mis- misuse the Bible to control us, to get us to do their will. But who do you follow, sin or Jesus? What if they hate you for not obeying their sin? Are you being unloving? No. God's love is not control, friends. It's meant to free you from the bondage of your own sin and also the sins of others. If we say we follow Christ, we we can't choose to obey sin or their sin. Instead, we must sacrificially love them in their sin and even uh, accept their unhappiness with us because we do not follow them in their sin. Children and teens, do do we obey parents in the things that God forbids us to do? No. We are to love and to respect God first. First. You know, in Acts 4, Peter and John are told by their elders, the important leaders of their communities, not to talk about this Jesus anymore. And, and usually the Bible would say it would be right to obey those in authority, in most cases. But Peter and John, who followed Jesus closely, respectfully said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than men, or rather, rather to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. That's from Acts four twenty through 21. They're, they're respectfully pointing out who they obey. And because of that, they're hated. They're almost thrown in prison and, and beaten by their own community. They're not being hateful. They're just loving Jesus. There's, there's a cost to loving Jesus in your life. Jesus' commands to hate our family is really just a command to love him more. It also shows us how to love and respect ourselves, who he loves so much. It's because Jesus knows we can easily compromise ourselves for the sake of the affection of other people. And because he loves us, he wants to be free from their control, so that we can love others sacrificially as He does, which requires us, friends, to love ourselves. That's the great commandment. And, and and to pursue what is best in our life, which is God. And us pursuing God is also what is best for them, even those who seek to control us with love. Jesus is saying that as his disciples, and if we love him, we can't be compromised by the control of other people. And Jesus wants our first allegiance. For his, not for his benefit, for our benefit. See, friends, God is better than anything else in all the world. And when we obey people first, we are enslaved or trapped. By them. Jesus came to set us free to love and to serve Him, which is ultimately where we end up serving others. Sometimes when believers and unbelievers are close to us, they will tell us we're not being loving. But you have to learn to listen to that. What they are really saying is we are not obeying them and their needs first. Beloved, we need to listen to Christ first so we can hear what they're truly saying. So we don't put ourselves under their control instead of Him. I've people in ministry that, that have tried to manipulate me by their affections so that I will do their will. And they, they get angry and they hate me if I don't. I have to sacrifice their love for me To serve Christ. And often, friends, honestly, that doesn't. Members. Loyal disciple of Jesus. My feelings. Jesus knows. Friends, that this is a great temptation for us all. For all of us in our close relationships. Jesus says we must hate our very life. When somebody hates you and and they reject you because you're following him, it, it, it feels like the death of something, a death of something good, something we once enjoyed, our closeness with that person. But we must be willing to die and compromise those feelings for their sake, even when hated or being accused of hating them for what feels like hatred to them is usually probably love. It's a kind of sacrificial love that will lead them to true life. Friends, you compromising can only lead them to death and to destruction forever. And if we follow Christ, we'll have conflicting emotions about rejecting or being rejected. We will. And, and that's, that's a cross for us all. You know, my father once asked to come to stay at our house with his new girlfriend over the holidays. I had invited them to come, but I said only if they would both sleep in separate beds. And they were insulted. And, and they chose to sleep somewhere else, not at my house. I even tried to explain to them in love that my house belonged to Jesus. And because of of that, I needed to set a a God-honoring example for my children. And I'm sure he thought that I was a disobedient, ungrateful son because I had, in his mind, disrespected him and the one he loved. But my father eventually saw a different kind of love in our lives that drew him to accept that love himself. And friends, if I had compromised I would have really been showing them hate. Where are you today with compromising? With your children? With your spouse? With your boss? Are Are you giving your children everything even if you know it's not good because you don't want them not to like you? It's a great sin. It'll lead to their death. Just because you want their affection? You're not truly being loving, unless you're willing to sacrifice their affection so that they might know Christ. When people hate you for following Jesus, it's not easy, friends. There's an emotional cost to it. Jesus says this, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever. Your personal situation does not excuse you from following him you 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 may say you don't know what kind of pressure i'm in you don't know what's like in my family you don't know my friends and my my classmates or my boss you don't know the pressure that they put me under pastor you don't know the hurt that i will be in if i don't obey my husband wife mom's dad's or children's will what does jesus say here whoever The circumstances don't matter. What matters is our affection for him and his will. And and friends, it's different for each of us, but we are each to bear our own cross. Jesus does not say the cross. We are not expected to suffer in the same way he did, but we'll all suffer people hating us if we choose to follow him first. Even when we seek to do good for them, By following him, we will still suffer our cross like he suffered for us. We have a saying in our house, no good deed goes unpunished. Often you're punished for doing good if you follow Jesus. Even before Jesus was hung on the cross, he had to carry that very instrument that they were going to hang him on. That's unfair. It's unfair for him to carry that same instrument that they would attempt to kill him on. People's hatred of his disciples. Friends, it's often very unfair. But even though it's unfair, we can't take our cross to still love them by being his disciple. Jesus said, Come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever would lose his life for my sake. We'll save it. You know, you and I may never have to lose our physical lives for doing Jesus' will. But you and I are required to daily deny ourselves, deny the positive feelings of others towards us to do his will. And you know, because of how I'm wired, that feels like a d- of being his disciple. It, it's a, a choice we face to do his will. It's just like the choice he made to do the Father's will by dying for our sins. He, he did it for our sakes. Friends, we, we, we do it for their sakes. Our faith in doing so pleases the Father. And yet, it's often a denial of what we really want, their affection. And by our self-denial, we gain intimacy and affection with God. See, our love has a cost. We need to learn to live and love sacrificially as Jesus did. Because we are also God's sons and daughters. And, and what Jesus is asking for is really hard. No rabbi in his day asked for this kind of commitment. Most teachers today, most churches and teachers will not call this kind of commitment. Door early without a commitment to be called to die even though that wafer represents this kind of love. mega church is down the street and the music and the plus say yes to Jesus. And never know what it means that you need to and yet here old Pastor Ken is, is telling the crowd they need to make a real commitment. They this cross Mike, must be a crazy cult. a pastor, you don't know for me. They they do every Sunday. They never had a commitment where people hate them. That just seems crazy. You, to me, Pastor Ken. friends, This is Jesus teaching a crowd of newbies. And, and, and they would all be crazy for following him if he were just a man saying it. But friends, he is God Almighty. And he says, I want your affection first. He's the same one who said to the people, that in Exodus 20 you shall not make for yourself a carved of that is in the water or under the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to a thousand of those who love me and keep my commandments. Beloved, who's your American idol? Who do you love more than God? Whose opinion matters to you more than God's? Whose affection do you seek more than God's? What kind of evil are you compromising into because of that? You know, people who follow man instead of God are under a curse. That's what the scripture just said. And friends, so are their children. So are their children. People who will compromise and go back to slavery, the slavery of their sin, instead of go forward with him, are actually acting as God-haters. How can he bless that? How how can he bless the children trained by parents in man-pleasing instead of God-pleasing? Friends, we are often a generation of people who aid him, even if we claim to love him, if we will not deny our affections when he has called us to come follow him. Friends, what gets in the way of your time with him each day? Is it possibly the demands of people? People? And the things that they place on you. I'm I'm too busy serving people to have time to serve God. What what keeps you from fishing and having gospel conversations? Is it it the fear of what they might think, whoever they might be? Do you really care what the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last thinks? Or do you care about what people think? Look at what a, a loving God who has always been trying to free you is saying, he is jealous. And it's not about him for some selfish motive. He is jealous for our love because it's best for us. It's best for our children. It's it's best for those we love. Yes, today you might offend grandma or your mom or your dad or your grandpa. But are you showing the steadfast love of God? And if you do, God says, It'll bless how many generations? How many? A thousand. To offend grandma. Because this is not a fickle kind of human love. That you get offended if somebody doesn't obey you. You are showing them the steadfast unchanging love of the God who created them, who has always been there for them and has promised his love eternally if you will just go through the cost of loving him in this people-pleasing world. I can tell it's going to be a lot of fun this year at Thanksgiving. Some of you might stand up and actually tell somebody no and tell God yes. And friends, if you do that, it might save them. You don't have to be hostile. You don't have to attack. You just need to stand firm in his love. Just be like Joshua, who stood up before all his crazy relatives, that family of Israel, and he declared that he would not be a slave to men anymore. He said, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, who they served in the region beyond the river, all those idols, or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. But as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. Until my wife repainted for 15 years, we had that over our mantle. I want it back. <laughs> but it's in my mind. Too many people in our churches have compromised their faith because of their families. Because of the family of man, and they started to serve them instead of serving God. Why are you not serving? Would your wife get mad? Why are you not sharing your faith? Because your boss or your teacher would get upset. Why are you not up front with your beliefs? Because you're afraid your friends would stop hanging out with you? Friends, those are the real things. I don't mean to make fun of them. We all face as believers, if you say you're following him and you don't follow him, did you accurately assess the cost of your salvation? Jesus says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and has not finished all Begin to mock him, saying, "This man began to build it, and it was not able to finish." Friends, are you allowing the devil to mock your faith because you say you build your life on the foundation of Christ? But they can, the, him and all the demons, see and everybody else. Civic, civic achievement. But the language here Jesus uses is actually more personal. A tower, on home and, and, and vineyard or a farm, a tower to be able to see the attack coming. Friends, a desire for faith is just not enough. A desire to have a tower is not enough to protect you. Intellectual agreement with that faith is is, is, is not good enough to protect you. You can't just say yes to Jesus and not... Be willing to count the cost to complete your faith, to complete your tower. Your faith is useless if you do not complete the tower. You need to build your life on the foundation of Christ and not compromise no matter what the cost is. What's going to test you most to compromise is some of the foes in your own house. Some of the foes in your own house. Why why do you think, Paul, uh, um, right after uh, talking about family relationships and husbands and wives and, and, and work relationships, a son that follows this cult of Christ? That his son is a failure because he's not following down and first deliberate what he is able to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 and if not while the other is a great way off he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace deliberate means to think or consider a true disciple must think they must consider the cost and hear Jesus' counsel For pursuing their war of conquering the world before pursuing the world, the, the, the war to conquer the world. The praise and glory of men. They, they they need to stop and size up their own kingdom, no no matter how powerful it is right now, or how powerful they think it could be with all of their success. Because they are they're good people, they're they're strong sons of men. Friends, will, will, no matter how good they are in the eyes of men, will, will they be able to stand against a greater army of the Lord when he comes to call on the day of judgment? And if not, and, and your death, your eternal death is certain because you're facing a superpower, wouldn't you go and, and negotiate and make concession, maybe even concessions of the loss of some love for peace so you don't lose it all? Friends, are, are, are you willing to go on serving the needs of your boss, your kids, your spouse, your friends, and your neighbors so that they will be happy with you? Will will that will that arm action save you? Or would you be better off to pursue peace with your creator? He truly loves you. He negotiated a peace for you. He didn't come to judge you for your sins. Peace, forgive them. Even paying the price for peace in the life of his son. His his love for you had a cost, the very life of his son. Will you not deliberate and think about whose affection you need most? The father's love is Unconditional. For he chose you as his son or daughter before the foundation of the world. But the cost is you must come and worship his son and you must obey him first. The Bible says, kiss the son lest he be angry with you and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 2, 12. Blessed or happy are the are they that find their safety in his love and, and, and their trust is in it. The fear of the affection of man, friends, the Bible says is a trap and it's a snare. And you've heard me talk about that before. Why, why do I keep repeating this point? Because you're all nice people. You're not murdering people, I don't think. Not at least physically. Most of you are not sleeping around. Most of you are not stealing much from other people. But, friends, we are all stealing from God in our offerings to Him of our affections and our resources. Often we treat Him with hate, and we are more likely to give a relative, a goofy relative of ours, like grace, like the Jews gave Barabbas. They gave him grace and then they blamed God for not loving us, and they sent his son to die on the cross. We we all commit adultery against him by giving more attention to the finite words of men on Facebook and Twitter and in the news than we do to the eternal word of God. Beloved, today, we must return to our first love and live. So therefore, Jesus says, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has. He cannot be my disciple. Uh, did, did, did you make an offering to him this week? Uh, renouncing means to leave it all behind. You know, but God is good. His word only requires us to give 10% back of the 100% he gave us first because that sacrifice indicates that all of your heart is with him. Friends, renounce means to leave behind. Are you willing to leave behind your need to be liked? Are you willing to leave behind your need for earthly wealth, which is often attached to gaining the affection of men? Jesus is asking his disciples to have a total commitment to following him. Friends, it doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how powerful your personality is or how popular or how loved by men you are. If Jesus is not first in your life, you're lost, and you're headed for destruction. Jesus says, any one of you. It it, it means that this is a promise for the cleaned up and the sinful and messy. All alike, all of us share the same problem. If we do not love him above the world's temptations for our receiving their affection, we will all perish. Being his disciple is our only hope. And we must learn the cost of love so we can give it to others. And as his disciple, you will be unpopular sometimes, even when you're right. And as disciple, you will suffer sometimes even when the wicked seem to succeed. And as disciples, you must not find your value in the good things of this world because they can all become idols. See, for most of us, the good things are more dangerous as a temptation than what the world considers evil. Jesus says to be his disciple, we must be ready and willing to renounce all things so that we can have Jesus because he is truly Really, all things. Friends, if you're clinging to the things of this life, Jesus says you cannot be his disciple. Paul said this, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Paul was one of the founders of the church. And he knew it was more important than just coming to say yes to Jesus. It was to come and die with him. Paul understood the value of the Son of God's love for him. A love that motivated Jesus to come and die. It motivated him to come and give up all the comforts of heaven. A love allowed him to sacrifice and and accept a simple life, dying to the needs of a great reputation, even though he was the creator of everything. A a, a love that allowed him to give up his own life painfully on a Roman cross while being shamed by men before his mother and by his friends. A love that gave him the the power three days later to, to walk out of the grave A love that offers forgiveness and eternal life to all sinners who forsake the temporal things of this life and devote their hearts to following him. Today, he's asking you to die. To give up your life to love him so that you may have a new and eternal life with him. Friends, you don't have to clean up. You don't have to impress him. You don't have to be worthy of anything by the world's standards. Today, you just need to be willing to pick up your cross and, and suffer whatever it takes to follow him. Friends, don't let the price scare you. Deliberate now and count the costs of not following in comparison. It's eternal destruction. Instead, kiss the Son and take refuge in His love. Today, you must be struggling, and you might be afraid of losing the affection of those you love if you turn and really follow as a disciple. And I want you to remember what Jesus said to a bunch of His insecure disciples that were sacrificing greatly to follow. He says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundred Now, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecution, and the age to come, eternal life. Today, consider the cost of remaining a slave to your sin and to the sins of others. Jesus says, for those who will pay the cost... They will receive a hundredfold more in this life and the life to come. Did you hear that? In this life and the life to come. Today, surrender your fears about who will love you. Oh, who will love me? He does. He paid the price to prove it. Today, prove your love and trust in him and follow. That is the cost. Your love is a sacrifice. Let us pray. Father, this is a hard word, but I thank you for your love, that you are willing to give us a hard word that we might live and not be slaves to this world and not be slaves to sin, and you have sought to set us free. Oh, Father, I know that there is fear, but Father... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. And so, Father, I pray today, if there's anybody who's not following you, that they, today they would turn. They would turn to you. They would repent and that they would follow you. They would accept your free gift of forgiveness. Your free gift of everlasting life. And that they would choose to follow you as Lord and Savior. That it was your will that must be done, not the will of people. Father, let them be like Peter today and turn away from everything to follow you. Oh, Lord, help us all to do that. Help me to constantly do that each day as the world tempts me. Help my friends as the world tempts them, Father, to turn away and turn to you. Oh, Father, you are good. Protect them in their commitment. For you have paid the full cost for us. You have paid it all. You have given us everything. Let us return the favor with our love and praise you. In Christ's name I pray. Why don't you all stand? Let's sing out to our Lord. Today, if you feel like you need to to make a commitment, to follow him and come pray with me, I'll be over here. I'll, I'll receive you in prayer. Sometimes it's good to just get up and have the motion of moving forward. So I'll be here to pray.